Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, Nick and I sit down with Fernando Cipriano. He's been on this podcast at least three other times. I love sitting down with people who can have such a broad range of topics they're able to cover, and he can do that. We get into modern monetary theory, artificial intelligence, social media, real estate trends, COVID. I had no idea we we're going to go down the COVID thing, and we dump, dump in, uh, dump in, we dump into COVID, we jump into the COVID topic. So we cover all of that stuff on this particular episode. Have a lot of respect for Fernando. If you don't know his story, you'll hear a little bit of that um, right at the beginning so you have some context of what he's all about. So um, that's that. And if you are listening to this and you want to get started in the real estate market, but you're not exactly sure where to go, you can visit rockstarinnercircle.com for links to videos that we have, dig free digital copies of the books that we've put together, articles that we have, YouTube videos that we have, um, archives of this particular podcast are available there as well. It's all linked off of rockstarinnercircle.com. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com for all real estate information related to the greater Toronto and Golden Horseshoe area. With that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Fernando. I always want to say Cipriano, but it's I heard you say Cipriano. Mm -hmm. So I like the way you said. Really, yeah. Fernando Cipriano's here and Nicholas Alexander Kradz. You almost bro. roll your R's, man. You've been hanging out with Carol. Her Italians rubbed off on you. Mm -hmm. We went to high school with eighty percent Italians. I mean, we can't. Sh I'm married to an Italian. Everyone mm -hmm. around here is Italian. It's like the Italian. If you grew up in Mississauga right. at that age, I tell everyone our high school was a bunch of kids who had immigrant parents. None of them went to school in Canada. They had no idea what high school in Canada was about. Yet there was 3,000 kids of theirs in high school causing absolute mayhem and havoc. It was wow. awesome. It was awesome. But it felt like it was 80% Italians. I feel like it was... I feel Between like, Italian and Portuguese, I feel my like, okay, yeah, Maybe yeah. it was 60% Italians, 20% Portuguese, then some Croatians, Polish. Yeah, Greek. Just it was, it was no, a, not many Greeks. I had some. I guess maybe oh, really? Marie, yeah. Catholic high school. Yeah. Wow. See, I grew up in Milton back in the seventies, and so there was very few Italians, and so there was, I was only like five people there. Yeah, there's, that's true. That's true. So <laughs> four of them were not Italian, and, and I, I could tell my I was very conspicuously different from my lunches because. You know, Mortadella. Yeah, or, or meatball sandwiches or veal sandwiches. They always smelled good, good, but it was always a strong smell yeah. compared to some like, provolone cheese or exactly. something. Yeah. So I remember that very distinctly is having big sandwiches that smelled really uh, pungent and in a good way. And yeah. Everyone else had. Uh, I, listen, I, I've, I've, I've traveled through Europe. I love everything about Italy. I love the people. I love what I see there. I love the meals there, except I, the worst pizza I ever ate was in Florence. It was a tourist trap restaurant. Should have never stopped there. I blame Carol's uncle. And uh, it was horrible. But most of the meals there, I just love everything about it. There's culture, history. I honestly, I feel at home in Europe. I feel really peaceful there. Mm. It's weird. I, I don't think I've been to a European country that I don't end up liking. So yeah. I, yeah, I've I just, you know where I was turned off a little bit of, uh, I was expecting more from Barcelona. Everybody told me Barcelona was amazing. I, like Barcelona. I went around Barcelona. You know what I wanted to hate? Paris. I wanted to hate Paris. Mm. I wanted to hate it. I got there. I'm like, this place is freaking it's amazing. Beautiful. It's beautiful. In Barcelona, I really like the um, 
uh, Las Ramblas is that road that's all closed yeah. off to, to that's I mean, cool. That's a that's yeah, a nice yeah. walking city. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I agree with you. I, Italy, and I'm biased because I am Italian. But I always say that Italy it reminds me a little bit of like in California in this way. Nothing to do with you know temperature or weather or anything like that. But Italy has so many places that are beautiful tourist destinations that if a country simply had one of those cities, it would be enough to draw tourists. But Italy has, you know, Venice, it has Florence, it has Rome, it has Milan, it has all these different places. I'm like, it's it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of how much tourism they could attract. Why I, I, I translate that to California is that if you look at California, it's such a beautiful state that has you know, forests, beaches, mountains. So different too from San Francisco to San Diego. And I always say it's unfair that one state could have so many different places you could go to. And I I think Italy's that way too, is that they're lucky that they have so many beautiful places to go. So nice. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's just go. (laughs) Let's just go. Um, But uh, I don't know where we were going to start, but at some point I know we were going to eventually dive into something about that you wanted to share about listening to professionals. Or no, what were you? We yeah, were talking about COVID a little we're bit, and talk we're talking about how bit. people are discounting pro- professions or well, professionals. You know, yeah. I mean, my view is that you know, our, we live in a world today that different than when I grew up, and that I feel like when I grew up, we would um, defer to experts to help us become informed in a, a, an area that we we didn't have a lot of experience in, and you know, whether that was in politics or doctors or you know any profession. But I think with, with the advent of internet, with the advent of social media, we, we start to believe that we can develop that expertise by a very superficial sort of, you know, review of this information. And so I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to try and debate an anti-vaxxer or a vaxxer. I mean, not that it matters, but I am vaccinated, but I'm not one of these pushing for this. But what I do find is that, you know, many people will reject, you know, scientists, doctors, you know, people that have spent their careers studying this. And my question is, I'd like to ask you both the question, why do you think that we no longer respect all the work that they've done? Why do we want to be skeptical or cynical of their findings? Wow, this is... (laughs) Oh, just an, a little little question like that. Sure, a little little question like that. But <laughs> little, here's a little easy one. I'll toss at you. I think there's an underlying angst and an underlying feeling in the population across North America and the Western world because. Are you just about? Are you going to bring this back to Bitcoin somehow? Because sound money. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I I feel like I was told. Just take my my story personally. Go to university, get a job. You know, that's kind of the story. Mm-hmm. I went to university. I remember on the last month of university thinking, holy shit, I have a Bachelor of Science in Psychology. This looks pretty useless. When I opened the Toronto Star career section, I don't, there was all Y2K jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't understand how I was going to get a job. I then had to go for another year of schooling, taking all the money that I had, $13,600. I borrowed some of that from our parents to get some skills to get me a job. So that was my first thought of like, wait a second, I went through all through high school, I thought I did all the right things. They told me to go to university, did the, did that, I come out of university, don't look, doesn't look like I have a job. And I'm not really blaming, you know, I'm, I'm responsible mm-hmm. for, I made the choices, I could have become an accountant, had some skills coming out of university, I had a Bachelor of Science in Psychology. And then I got a job, and it was $36,000 a year at RBC in the IT department on Front Street. 
And then I, when I first started getting paid, I went to Harry Rosen, by the way, I bought a rain jacket. I thought I made it. I'm yeah. like, I need a rain jacket, an umbrella. I'm going to go into this job. And I, when I started to get paid, I remember after my, I was paying for my go train and after taxes and parking at the go train station. You had to return the rain jacket. <laughs> I, well, can I go back to Harry? And Hey, do you guys take used rain jackets? <laughs> and then I just thought, I'm never, never really going to get ahead here. And then I remember being at RBC, a tech was taking off and they said, hey, We've decided we're underpaying you guys at $36,000. I take that back. It was $35,000. We're going to give you a raise. And I'm like, oh my gosh, finally. Like these skills are in demand. We shouldn't be $35,000. They said, we've decided to give you $1,000. You're going to be now making $36,000 a year. And that was my start to thinking, I don't get this. Like my, I, I thought I've done everything right. And mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going to get a job that I can't even really pay for what I want to do in, in life. And the raises are going to be a thousand dollars a year. And that was to me, the start of questioning societal norms or what I perceived them to be. Maybe they weren't, maybe I just perceived that to be. No, and then that, that started me on a journey of honestly questioning everything. Right. That, that was like, Oh, you know what? RRSPs really, eh? You're never going to tax these things. I don't know if I believe you. And I think it stems from this system that pushed me out into a world where I thought I wasn't going to have what I, what I, what I could have. So to me, that, that was the basis of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I know this is a huge question you're answering. Yeah. So I know that's not answering no, it your did. question, it but did it's, answer the question. It, it's, it's, it started me to question everything. It's why Nick and I ended up in real estate. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I mean, mine's more, more direct if we're looking at COVID specifically. One is I'm not, I'm, I haven't been a social media fan for a long time. I think, mm -hmm. think social media that there's, there's definitely positives, but the way I think there's a lot of negatives with it too, and we have to be conscious of that. And people just have access to more information now where we didn't have that free, that, that ready access available. Um, and we always had to believe the mainstream narrative. But now if you actually do a little bit of research, there is, so a lot of people, there's a lot of peer reviewed studies from professionals. So this is that are like randomized tests. So there's randomized studies from professionals about mask usage. And as of August, I thought my, the, my last research said there was 15, 11 of them proved they, they didn't do anything, right? So, so or very neg negligible. So there's this, but it's not being reported anywhere. No one's mm -hmm. talking about it. So people can, people can get what they perceive as, as solid information, remember, from doctors, from scientists, just not the ones that are being put on TV or the government's putting in front of people. Right. But this is, these are peer-reviewed studies, and then they're basing their information off other professionals that are disagreeing with the professionals that are that we're supposed to believe. Here's here's why I I don't like I wouldn't agree with these points right regarding you know this idea of questioning mainstream you know information or mainstream media or we use this phrase a lot mainstream. To me, you know what no one discusses is what's the opposite of mainstream, which is what you're you know <laughs> going to research. The opposite of mainstream is something that is not mainstream. So in other words, it's more isolated, more anecdotal, more, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would argue less scrutinized. My question is, people often say this to me, oh, you watch mainstream media. Well, I'm like, well, is the alternative reading a blogger out of his mother's basement, that, that to you gives you more comfort than, this is the way I look at it. I'm, I'm a numbers guy. Maybe that's the problem with me is that because I'm a finance guy, I break everything down into odds. And, you know, uh, 
risk and return. Probability, sure. Probabilities. Yeah. And so I think, would we all agree that for the most part, the majority of people, we know this, hopefully you'll agree with this fact, the majority of people have taken their vaccines, yes? In, yes. in Canada, okay. yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think most parts I think it's of the, the world, the vast right? majority, yeah. Okay, so, so therefore, we know that the majority are taking the vaccines. Mm. So the minority are the ones who don't agree with a lot of this information, right? And since when do we trust the minority group, mm-hmm. not in a cultural way, because I am a minority in that way, but since when do we trust a minority group for direction? And what I mean by that is this, if we're in a shopping mall and suddenly you hear gunshots and you see the majority of people running in one direction, do you run the opposite direction? <laughs> this is that's, interesting. That's a very interesting question to ask Nick and I. Because we run the opposite. Well, we, we, we would we, run the opposite. Well, no, we don't. We don't run, but we we don't automatically follow because what we believe if the crowd is all doing one thing, mm-hmm. we question. We we always think that maybe we should really be doing something else. No, we don't always the, do it. The but, gunshot but we, example. The gunshot's different. That, that, different. that might be an example. Yeah. Where, isn't yeah. this a life or death, potentially a life or death situation? Not to people mm-hmm. who don't think it's serious, but that's fine. For some people, it's life and death. And I agree with you. Or Fernando doesn't know who he's dealing you know, with here. He's like, no, I love this. But the, gun, the gunshot example is... Uh, that's that's one where it's like, yeah. But but the, to your RSP example before, where it's like, well, everyone... like We were taught, like, you just you, you invest in RSPs and that's what you do. And, you know, we're like, well, if everyone's doing that and, and everyone's ending up in a certain place, maybe we should be doing something else. Right. So, you know... Because so I like to believe I'm a data guy and a probability guy as well. So I'm thinking if everybody's doing mutual funds and everybody's doing that, mm-hmm. law of averages was, is going to say, I'm going to get what the average. I don't want the average. I want to be unique. Right. So that drove me down into the real estate path sure. and thought, oh, look at this. I can achieve this, this, and this. I think I should go down this path. And I would think at that time that was a minority to your point. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a minority decision. Whereas but, the majority of my friends and people I knew went down the traditional mainstream path, mm-hmm. I personally did not. Mm-hmm. I feel like it served me really well. I haven't monitored what other people's achievements have been with their RSPs. Maybe right. it served them equally as well, maybe better. Right, but your, your measure of, of success or failure is about maximizing return, maximizing you know profitability. And what I'm saying is the idea, I'm not a big RSP guy or, or mutual fund guy, but the, the math works. If you actually committed to, you know, investing in your maximum level of RSPs year after year, you're going to have enough there to retire on it one day. Now, what you're saying is that's a slow way that, you know, everyone's doing that, but that's the problem is no, not everyone's doing that. They're not maximizing their RSP contributions. And I'm not advocating for that because I love what you guys are doing. And I think being a contrarian in investing will give you better returns. That I don't dispute. What I'm saying is, you know, you imagine, you guys know real estate better than most people. Imagine if someone came in and said to you, your views on real estate, you know, I've read some articles and I feel pretty confident that I get it. I know you guys have spent a career doing it, but I think I know better, you know? And you would say, well, number one, it's insulting because I've spent my whole career doing this. You've learned in the last, you know, and when it comes to, let's say COVID, let's be honest, most people that have done a lot of research on COVID has only been done in the last two years. It's not like, I mean, you guys have done a lot of research, but I doubt you were doing research on vaccines five oh, years co- ago. Absolutely correct. So, <laughs> so what I'm saying is, so your knowledge, albeit you've spent a lot of time, you delved in, delved in deep, but it's been in the last two years. And so aren't Agreed. you in some ways almost writing off a scientist who spent 
30, 40, 50 years Don't studying. underestimate the power of yeah. our intellect. I no, no, I'm joking. Are, of course, I, mean? I see where you're headed. But you know, okay, that's very fair. I, I, I agree with you. That's fair. What I would say kind of back to you would be in your example of isn't, hasn't the majority in the Western world gotten vaccinated? And definitely, yes. especially in Canada, I would say a huge chunk of people I know who have gotten vaccinated feel like they've been coerced mm. to be vaccinated okay, because true. they've wanted to travel. They've that's wanted true. to do certain things. I know that's been in my mind. That's a valid point. So well, the, majority, opened, the majority then, can I really say it's a majority that did that willingly? Or was there, did they feel there was coercion involved mm. to that's fair. quote unquote encourage them to get vaccinated? And that's where I'm like... Yeah, and I then just just on the professionals thing, sorry, Nick, just on the professionals thing around COVID, I personally do not respond well, even if I agree with getting vaccinated, mm. to professionals who stand in the media and report data that I think is meaningless. So, for example, in the last year when we constantly hear about cases, I want to hear how many beds do we have in Ontario in mm -hmm. the ICUs exactly how many are being used exactly? How many people are in the hallways waiting exactly? I personally respond to that because if I see that data, then I'm like, whoa, we okay. have an issue here. We had, you know, this many beds available. So that's why I was going to the Ontario website. You know how you and I were looking at the data directly. And every time we would hear in the media that there was like, the hospitals were going to be overrun, we would go to the Ontario website and look at the data for ourselves that was actually really well reported and say, well, we are missing some data here because on the website, it seems like we have quite a few beds still available, but the media is saying we're about to be overrun, I guess, because they were projecting their models forward. Right. And we just wanted them to articulate that better because it just felt like to me, they were using fear to coerce people to do mm. things. And I just don't respond to, I almost, even if it's the right thing to do, Fernando, even if it's mm -hmm. the hundred percent right thing to do, mm -hmm. I immediately just get my back up. I get it. And that's kind of why well, I, I, yeah, I would say to, to build on that. I think if you look when this started, I think there was a lot more, um, people believed everything that was being put in front of them a lot more, mm -hmm. right? People are okay, this is, we, we got to stay home. This is something very serious. And I think as it's gone on, we can probably all agree that there's the skepticism around certain parts of it, at least has probably grown. Yes. Right? Even for me, for sure. So, and I think one of the reasons that is, is because we're not, we don't get presented. So to your point, that the 30 year professional, 100%, but there are other 30 year professionals with different opinions, like there would be in real estate industry or in any other mm -hmm. industry. And there are studies and you, you can, you can morph numbers to however you want to morph them. Right. But there are studies that show both ways, right? That some things are more effective, some things aren't. And we're not presented with any of those. And but the majority still believes one way. Well, like, the ma but majority that's being put in front of us. So, and, and here's, I'll just, I'll, 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 so because they've lost confidence because like, look, look, take Anthony Feltry for an example. Mm -hmm. You couldn't say anything bad about the guy or the origins of the virus early on. Mm -hmm. You couldn't say a single, you weren't allowed, you were, you were banned off social media. If you said anything about the potential that it came from a Chinese lab. Now the, there's more and more, there's been multiple investigations right. and there's more and more science showing it is. So how then can we now believe, Trust oh, the rest. how can we, this guy gets on CNN and we're supposed to believe this guy mm -hmm. when we were told to believe something else that seems like what they told us to believe wasn't true. So they're not doing themselves any favors by offering additional information and allowing, painting a complete picture and allowing people 
to make their own decisions. They're painting the picture they want you to see and then trying to coerce you to do it, is, is my opinion. I think that's where they've lost people. This is valid. I mean, these are all valid points. My question, uh, here's another question sort of taking a little another bit. Another easy question? No. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, do you really think that, that, and I agree with you, we we are more and more skeptical of what appears to be facts because we're wondering, is this really a fact or is it sort of a, a twisting of, of some data? Here's my question. Do you think that if the government introduced a seatbelt law today, that it would pass? Because most people would say, don't tread <laughs> That's on my... a good question. I mean, That's I don't think it would. I, I think it probably would not as well. I don't think it would. <laughs> smoking laws. I don't think smoking laws would get passed because I think people would have the same theory of... Don't tread on my civil liberties. If I want to die yeah. in a car crash, that's entirely up to me. And I think we were at a different... Back then, when these laws were introduced, people weren't so that's questioning. I, I could and, see a seatbelt law getting get it, pushed but two, back. But two years... So I agree with what you're saying. That, mm-hmm. that makes sense. However, I feel that the, 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 the government response and narrative and communication policies around COVID have brought us, have made it worse and worse. And two years ago, it would have a greater chance than the impact they've done with their policies so, today. I don't know if I blame them. You know what I do blame though? Who? Is social media, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I like social media. I think it's, it's like you said earlier, there are some benefits to it. This going back to my background, I'm sure we'll mention it at the end of, the, of this um, podcast, is the artificial intelligence. Yeah. Social media mm-hmm. is based on algorithms. Algorithms feed you what you want to read. It's an echo chamber. And so, and so I noticed this myself. I have a cousin of mine that we debate, you know, the merits of vaccines and, and whatever. And what I noticed, he, he has the same look on his face that I have on mine when each of us is quoting what we think are facts. I'll say to him, how do you debate this? And he'll look at me like, you're just making up, you're making that up. And then I'll say, well, what do you think? And then he'll state something that I think sounds so made up <laughs> that it's almost laughable to me. But I, what I realize is, but we're being fed by these algorithms, this yeah, information. You're right. So we actually, in some ways, it's not that we're being stubborn and yeah. obstinate and, and being you know argumentative. We're really looking at the other person and saying, All right, didn't you read what I read today? Like, and you, the person that's, really- That's probably the best way to sum it all up. I think that's the problem. I is, agree. Is that, you know, whether we, this started with, let let me, can I just expand on that one point? Cause I agree with you wholeheartedly about Mm. social media. I I want to transition that over to media as well. Cause Mm. I think we can call it main team. We can call it mainstream, traditional media, old school, whatever it is. I think they're equally to blame because of this 24 hour news cycle that we're on. You're right. And I'll give you, I'll give you a very, and because of Google AdWord, they, they lost their revenue production, right? Like they they had to go to salacious headlines. That that's true too. Yeah. But, but here's like, and and I don't want to talk about vaccine facts or anything, but I find it very interesting that all over the world in many developed countries in the world, there are, there are large protests on a weekly basis against lockdown measures and things like that. And this is, this has been now, I think France is on 10, eight weeks, 10 weeks, Mm -hmm. big. If, if, if this it was in the past, at least in my experience in the past um, with media, or if this was maybe about another topic, those things would at least be mentioned You're right. in media. And I'm like, why are they not? This isn't like a, this isn't saying here's this rogue scientist or the blogger in his basement saying, don't take the vaccine. These are like protests that are happening globally. If it, if it was about some other equal rights or something would would they like let's say it was a last year was black lives matter if it was about that again or was if it was about the lgbtq um i know there's other years it's a longer there's more letters to that i don't i don't i'm not familiar with them all but um if it was about them would that be shown on tv but because it's against the lockdowns or vaccines or whatever they would get specific thing 
Is that why it's not being shown? And I don't know the if that's why or not, but I'm like, but it goes why to, is it not It goes shown? to the point that we both like to know both sides. It's like mm-hmm. when we were talking yeah. off the recording and we were asking about worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. I just like to know the other side. Right. I don't even necessarily want to agree with it. Yeah. But if you can articulate it to me, then By can, showing me these protests and discuss, hey, here's why these people are protesting X, Y, and Z reasons, I can make a decision to agree with the mainstream right. analysis perhaps, but because it's not being shown, I'm automatically discounting the mainstream narrative because uh, I don't feel they're presenting with all the all the facts. That's fair. So, it, and it, it's, I, mean, I guess I'm trying to say, it just makes me question things mm-hmm. and maybe makes me delay doing things. You're right. And you know what? I, you know, as I think about this and the sort of this, this idea of the algorithms feeding you, when you show any kind of interest online, let's say in a certain product, we like all know. Tesla, we've all seen Because I was this, looking right? at Tesla right. stuff and my, my YouTube Suddenly, feed was just turning uh, up. Yeah, up. Bringing up Tesla, Tesla, Tesla and other things like that. Well, they're not showing you the gas powered engines anymore because you've shown no interest in it. Now, you're right. The inquisitive mind would say, tell me a little bit about the other side too. But what happens is we start to feel good because they're like endorphins, yeah. right? You're like, I knew I was right. I knew that I was right Tell about me this. again. Tell, Tell me, me again. again. <laughs> and so you're right. I mean, Nick, you're bang on. The media has become like, you know, helicopter parents that are saying, you're great, son, daughter, you're the best kid. You'll never make a mistake. You know, and we start to believe it. And where, I think, where does this lead us? Where, I, where do you think I, we're so? If we push COVID even aside, but just because mm-hmm. I'm interested in your AI algorithm, mm-hmm. social media, where does this take us as a society? Well, I think I think we're already seeing how polarized the world has become. These issues of COVID, and really, it's not just COVID. It's we're you know questioning and you know and climate change. If we're going to start questioning everything, well, then nothing is true anymore. Nothing is fact. So. What, what becomes is you start to become tribes that you believe. So what's weird in some way is that the world began very tribal, right? Where you didn't, you know, tribes all around the world would live amongst themselves and, and fight wars with other ones. We then advanced to a time when the world became very small and, you know, every, the internet brought us all closer together. And now we're breaking apart again. So it feels like we're becoming tribal again. And... It's- I agree. I don't know. Uh, And and, and it's cross borders because of the communication. I find that the tribe of what you believe in, it's cross border. And you almost feel like that's your community, but that community spread out globally, but you feel like you're part of that tribe. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, sorry, Nick. No, no, go ahead. One thing I don't, you're exactly right about tribes. And if you think about it, it shows me how, how it's becoming because in the old days, I follow U.S. politics very closely. In the old days, a Republican, a Democrat, you may have disagreed with each other, but it never delved into personal feelings. I can say this categorically. I find sometimes speaking to, and I'm a, I would be a Democrat if I was American, whatever. Um, but when I speak is to my- what, Is that why you're wearing the blue? That's that why I'm wearing I'm colorblind. Yeah, 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 okay, okay, just um, But uh, so I would be a more liberal minded, you know, I'm more fiscally conservative, but liberal, you know, liberal in, in my views, social views. But I would probably be a Democrat. What I'm finding is, I'm starting now to get frustrated with my Republican friends. And that's never happened before. Like before, like now you see this, Democrats in in the US, Democrats and Republicans hate each other. In the same way, if you look at, you know, the the wars of like Yugoslavia, you know, Serbians and Croatians didn't like each other for no other reason but that. 
And we've seen that in other parts of the world where people just dislike another person just because of a tribe that they belong to. And I'm like, how can you dislike someone just because of a label, but yet we're becoming that way. We're starting to dislike people just because of a label. So it is. So yeah, I agree with everything you guys are saying. And then uh, uh, along the tribe thing, um, it's very interesting because we see it when we go back to to Croatia all the time. Um, It's, it's, still because of just lack of development there there's very much a village um it's a set of tribes kind of within the villages right and and the village kind of take care of their own as well so if there's a handicapped person there the village generally will kind of little by little they help that person do what they need to do as well and so it's a little bit different mentality than we have in a lot of you know major cities across north america where those people are kind of very often there's some social programs but left to fend for themselves right um and it's interesting looking at the, the recent election results in Canada, because if you look at these these larger metropolitan areas, they're less, you know, they want the more more dependence. They want larger government and that type of thing. And it's it's funny that in all the smaller areas, it seems like people want to go back to that that tribal or, or kind of village type living because they and I don't know to that that point but they seem to if they're Republican or conservative in Canada they seem to want a little bit less government intervention Mm -hmm. and it it crosses a number of different a number of different topics and it seems to be like as we've moved to these big cities it's really caused this dynamic to to accelerate and so they don't maybe there's no feeling of social safety nets in the bigger cities so they're voting in a government that'll give them that whereas the smaller cities maybe you feel like if you're there you're more independent because it's kind of like a clear divide now you see it more and more and it Mm -hmm. seems like that divide is getting you know if it was kind of like a a line drawn in the sand in the past to your point now it's like a trench is dug Mm -hmm. in the sand you know between the two I don't know how we come out of this because what fernando's saying about his friends how you're getting frustrated more Mm -hmm. than you did in the past I feel like this is only going to get worse. It will get worse. Because if I don't know Fernando and I put something on Twitter and Fernando responds, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. And he responds kind of disagreeing with me. I don't know him, but immediately you get that sense on social media like, who the fuck's this guy? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? right. and, and But then sitting here and talking to you face to face, we can have a great conversation sure. and have opposing views. And I love that. But it's almost like the social interaction, we're just not predisposed to doing that very well. Mm-hmm. It's like your back gets up all the time and we're just spending more time online. So it just feels like, this is a horrible thing I'm going to say. It just feels like we're destined for some kind of horrible future. I, I feel like, <laughs> you know, but wasn't the, in the past, couldn't these conversations happen? Like, I feel like we've, and, and social media, like, I don't know all the root causes, right? But I agree with, with what you guys are saying. I think some of them, but like universities, for example, used to be the, uh, you know, what the place of higher education or higher learning and, there used to be debates and they'd bring people on and, and there was these open debates about two opposing viewpoints mm-hmm. to, to your point, Fernando, about how you could have those conversations. Whereas now, if they bring someone on that has an opposing viewpoint of people, the protest, they want to shut it down. They like won't even let the person speak. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where have we gone that we can't have these open communications without getting mm-hmm. so emotional about it? Because that's how we all learn. Like that's how we, we elevated we ourselves as, as yeah. a society in the past. We learned from one another, but it seems like now it's, it's like you either agree with me or get the hell out of here. Right. It's, it's an affront. When someone doesn't agree with you now, it's an insult. In the past, you, you would just acknowledge that we're different people. So we are allowed, you know, when you look at debating clubs, like at schools, right? What I find interesting is that, you know, debating clubs, they don't say to you, okay, the subject is this. How, where do you stand on this? They tell you they where you, you stand on this, right? So they're going to say, if the subject is, you know, climate change, you are a climate denier. 
right? So you now have to build a debate which tests your debate ability because you may not strongly believe in it, but if you're a good debater, you could still make a strong argument. To me, in the past, that was the way we felt even about things that we believed in. In other words, we could be objective and say, here's what I believe in, but if you don't agree with me, that's okay too. And if you think about it, if we were at a debating club, we wouldn't get angry at each other because we would be like, well, I don't even believe in this, but I was told to argue this point. In the old days, that's the way our personal opinions were debated in a very non-confrontational, non-adversarial way where I'd say, you know, Tom, Nick, I don't know if I agree with you guys and we'd be okay with that. Now it's like, how dare you disagree with me? Everything I'm being fed tells me that I'm right. So there is something wrong with you. Yeah, right? it is. I think you're right. I think it, it really comes with the algorithms. It's it the comes algorithms. back to the algorithms. It's a goddamn a lot, a lot of it. I mean, there's other, th there's other things that have made it worse too. And I, I think, Tom, like, I mean, you've spoken about Bitcoin stuff in the past. And I agree with that about the systems kind of like set up to not really help people get ahead, you know, with the money system because a saver gets kind of decimated over time. Like there's these other factors as well. But the daily in and out echo chamber mm -hmm. of, of the algorithms isn't helping. It's detrimental. Yeah. I want to switch over to Fernando's yeah. views on the latest thoughts on real estate in Canada. Mm -hmm. Because um, prices seem to... Uh, real estate only goes up, Fernando. I don't know if anyone told <laughs> yeah, you that. Yeah, that's I don't what know, I hear. I don't know if, that's you've, what I hear. if you know, yeah. okay, but uh, it only goes up. And uh, what I don't know, what just what comes to mind? Yeah, uh, you, you, I think I've shared my views before, and I, I, I hope it doesn't sound so... Uh, you know, controversial on this, on this show. But oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind. I mean, I, I always look at this, at this way. And again, I'm a numbers guy. Um, I understand why real estate prices have gone up over the last 30 years, obviously, um, you know, more immigration into our country, lower interest rates, um, you know, all these reasons, lack of supply, lack of supply. My only question always is comes down to this next year. Will I be able to afford, provided that nothing else changes in my life, you know, will I be able to afford more house or less house, right? And so the only way to afford more house, and I hope everyone agrees with me, the only way to afford more house is two ways. Either A, you earn more money because now you can carry a bigger mortgage, or B, interest rates go down, which means now your existing money can carry a bigger mortgage. We agree on that? Sounds good. Okay, so... If those are the only two factors that can allow you to afford a bigger mortgage next year, the other way, I should say this, even though I didn't think it would exist, but unless you haven't borrowed as much as you're allowed to borrow, which I don't think no, in today's is. world. Let's no. face it. Everybody's, face it. everybody's maxed everyone's out. Everyone's maxed, maxed out, out. right? Everyone's maxed more. out. Looking for so more. <laughs> let's assume that if everyone's maxed out, then the only two ways they can borrow more money next year is if they earn more money or if interest rates come down. Interest rates are not going down. I don't think they're going up anywhere, so I'm not saying that, but interest rates cannot come down because we're already close to zero. We're getting close, so yeah, yeah. There have been countries that have tried negative interest rates. They Canada's don't work, probably right? not gonna do Canada's it. Canada's yeah. not gonna do that. So we both agree that one of the factors that will allow us to buy more real estate next year is gone because interest rates are not going any lower. Therefore, you're relying on the second one. So my question is, are people gonna earn more money next year and such an incremental increase in, in money that they can afford a much bigger mortgage? I don't think so. I, I don't know. I mean, I think even if people's salaries go up at the rate of inflation, what, two, 3%, that doesn't allow you to you know, pay an extra $500,000 for a million dollar house. So I don't know. So we plateau from here. Yeah, I think we're gonna plateau. I don't know what the next impulse is 
to get the, the real estate market going. People will often say to me, how about immigration? We have lots of immigration. Well, even in the most robust immigration policy, we're bringing in about 350,000 people to the country. That's 1% of our population. 1% of the population can't move real estate up 20%. That's just, they don't buy enough houses to do that. Not to mention, a lot of these you know new immigrants are, are bigger families. They're multiple families. So they're not buying multiple houses. Sometimes they buy one house. So I just don't see how we get the next impulse up. But yeah, it all makes me. sense. Tell, I, me, well, no, the, tell uh, me where it's the, coming the, from. The, uh, I think politically, we're going to see shortly, Nick and I believe, I think we both believe yeah, in here's this. Here's the third, the third way we the, think the, that the, affordability The, the government's going to come out. Let's Trudeau comes out soon mm-hmm. and says, holy smokes, first-time buyers, you cannot buy a property. Right. We and I... Justin Trudeau, I, I, yeah, I, I, I <laughs> will need to help you. Right. Um, and the way I have figured out to do this is we're going to have a first-time homebuyer program mm. that allows you to amortize the mortgage to Over 40 years. Year, yeah, yeah, to, right. yeah, you pick the number, yeah. 40, 45 years, right. because we need to have a fair housing market, mm-hmm. and these developers are at fault. They're not playing along. So I, the government, will instruct the banks to increase amortizations on a first-time home buyer program backed by the government to allow you, the first-time home buyer, to get in. So now we haven't reduced interest rates. Okay. People aren't making more money. And then give me two years after that, same government comes back and says, you know what, Canadians? We need every Canadian to be able to afford a house and it hasn't been possible. We are going to allow increased amortizations for more people right. so that everybody can achieve the dream of home ownership in this so, great country of Canada where you can go skiing, have maple syrup on your pancakes, right. and own your own home. Right. That good, right? Great, great argument. I know. It's a really good. Now, I like you it. You realize like it. a few years ago, there was 30-year amortizations. There was 40-year. 40 40 40 and, and the government came and, and said- pulled them back. You know, that, that's too Jim risky. Jim Flaherty, our right? late finance right. minister, right. Jim okay. Flaherty. Okay. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, yes, you're right. That's a possibility. I'd love to know. I that's would a, say it's a probability. Okay. So if it's a probability, I'd <laughs> love to know if you, again, I, just random numbers. If we go from 25-year AMs to 40-year AMs, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that sounds right. good. Let's go with that. So yeah. that's about a, um, so 25 to 40 is 15. That's an extra 60% in amortization. Does that drop prices by? Let's, yeah, I'm curious too. Nick, I, I, are you going to pull up a mortgage the calculator? Yeah, we, we, we ran this. Um, yeah, what is it going to tell a, a couple, us? A few weeks ago, we ran this. Up. So on a, uh, so if you do a $500,000 mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, 500,000, Nick. Let's at least start with a million. What do you got? Let's get a grant. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. That's What's what, a $500,000 mortgage? It was pre-populated in there. So here, I remember see. when a, fi- a few years ago, Fernando, $500,000 mortgage was a special approval. That was called a jumbo mortgage. Mm. And a, a, a TD, like, uh, it had to go to approval like three or four right. underwriters high because right. it was a jumbo mortgage. This is, that's, maybe it was five or six years ago. Mm. Now I was asking some of the banking contacts for how then they're like, oh, $500,000 mortgage. Those just go out the door. Those go out the door all day long. Have I ever told you my my theory of of debt, a mortgage debt, how you shouldn't pay it down ever? Have I ever told you that? that? No, no, sure. Okay, so um, I've often said that debt, especially good debt, like mortgage debt, will pay itself off with inflation even if you don't pay it off. And my, my example I give is when my parents moved to Milton in 1979, um, they bought a house for $77,000, right? And what I said, to, what I say to my parents now, and they think I'm crazy. I said, imagine a world where back then, if you could borrow 100% loan to value, you borrowed all $77,000. 
right? First of all, they Interest already, only. They yeah, already yeah, start yeah, shaking because yeah. the idea of that scares them. But I said, okay, just hear me out. You know, so I said, imagine if you borrowed all 77,000 and only paid interest only for the entire 50 years since then or whatever it was, right? 40 years since then. Today, you would still have a $77,000 mortgage, right? Now, forget what the house is worth. I know it's appreciated. That's not my point. My point is, would anyone today get scared of a $77,000 mortgage? And so why does it feel so, you know, uh, big big back then, but not now? Because inflation over the years has made that $77,000 get smaller and smaller, even though it remained the same. That's why I always say to people, I love long-term amortizations, especially with low interest rates. By all means, if a, if a government will give it to you, take 50 years, take 100 years the to pay The flip it side to the argument, because that's, to me, a very smart, educated way to look at it. I think sometimes of my father who hung drywall getting up at 5 in the morning. If he was to save $10,000 in the 1980s to give to my children, grandchildren, the value of that $10,000, because he's not good as an investor. He puts the money in TD's, uh, you know, savings account, just sure. lets it sits there. The, the, the $10,000 that he saved that maybe he worked four or five months to save up, you know, maybe worked a whole maybe year more. to be yeah, able to yeah, save that. But I just mean if he saved every penny, mm-hmm. right. Uh, for half a year or something like that. Um, and then to give it to his grandchildren today, the value of what that could purchase has just been robbed. Right. So that's my only thing. Like, yes, I agree with you, right. but my father didn't have that type of instruction and didn't have that type of analysis. And I feel like they took the opposite approach by savings and they just got kind of robbed of their savings. And it's unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, that's no, what I, comes to mind here, when I, when I'll I hear sh- I'll that. I'll share the numbers thing. with you guys. Okay. So at a 2% interest rate, a million dollars on a 25 year uh, mortgage is forty two thirty eight. It drops by about nine hundred dollars um, if you t- change it to a thirty five year mortgage. Thirty five year mortgage, so nine hundred dollars. So a thirty five year mortgage, it drops to about thirty three twelve. So to bring it back up to forty two hundred, I'll give you an example. So you, percentage wise, no, but percentage wise, we're talking. Yeah, we're we're saying a savings of twenty percent. Yeah. So it's, so yeah. theoretically, you could justify a twenty percent lift in well, real it goes, estate. It goes, yeah, it goes up about twenty eight percent because to get the same mortgage payment afterwards at thirty five years, you would raise the price of the mortgage from one million to one point two eight. So throw in a quarter point interest rate drop and that amortization, and it looks like we could get you get another lift of twenty percent. And that would have to happen. Who knows if that's going to happen? Well, it's it's interesting because when we saw the NDP platform during the election, the NDP platform ran on extending amortizations as well. And so I'm like, so we know that it's already in the circles. And it's we've coming, seen Fernando. It's, it's coming, you know Fernando. I'm, I'm being it's coming. Yeah. It's I'm coming. Being well, and if we're going to save Canada, Fernando. <clears throat> we're going to save yeah, the first time home by millennials. I'm with you. I, I That's going to be okay. the message. Well, and you, we just looked at other places in the world, and other places in the world already have them. Sure. Right? So we're like, huh, I'm being so convinced. This is, this I'm being it. convinced. So, so we're not, but, but we are but also just, agreeing with you, like your analysis there. Are we in agreement that after that, Runs its then course. I don't know what else then they can we're do. plateauing. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a little. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't see where we go. I okay. think this is the card. Yeah. Okay. You know, like. But I agree. I, but we're still. We we do not buy real estate just for appreciation. Oh yeah, like we yeah, are yeah, still yeah. focused on the income. Yes, of course. And if the income's there, then in the, and we get the appreciation and the mortgage pay down. You know, the equity increase there. Yes, we'll take it. But, sure. but we're we still don't believe in buying just because we're like, well, they're going to extend appreciations. Let's buy because it's going to go up. That is not. Just to anyone listening, I want to be clear, that's not our approach. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're definitely more cautious that way. Sure. Like you, like we like to run numbers and it's it, no different than we asked you earlier, like what's worst case scenario when we buy these things? We're like, well, what's worst case scenario? And we feel that if it carries itself, we're like, okay, look, worst case scenario, yeah, pro- prices come down. But we also believe worst case scenario, the rent prices based on 
other places, no different than how you research past things. We research different areas in history. Rent prices generally don't really move too much in those scenarios. So we feel worst case, we're still kind of protected there. We're definitely worst case. Yeah. We're we like to know investors, the absolute sure. worst case. Yeah. And then we'll do what you're saying. Yeah. Just present us the worst case. We want and both if we sides. can live yeah. with the worst, live the worst case, case, we're good. Yeah, Let's absolutely. proceed. Makes sense. Um, in the world of finance and investing, kind of your background, mm-hmm. what are the new developments that you see? I know you're heavy into artificial intelligence yes, and algorithms. Yes. What is catching your attention? Just at a high, you know, at a high level, we can get into what you're doing now, yeah. but what are you seeing out well, there? How's the industry changing? What's know, coming? Yeah, I can tell you that, um, you know, the, the economic data, um, I, you know, going back to the government's dealing with COVID and all that, um, as you know, most countries around the world gave people support, right? We Our CERB payments here in Canada, U.S. had stimulus checks, et cetera, et cetera. It was actually a, an experiment that the government has never done before. And it's called modern monetary theory, where in the past, if a world or a country was going through a recession, the government would be like, you're on your own. We're going to have, you know, unemployment rates, prices, house prices are going to go down, stock market's going to collapse, but you're on your own. You're going to have to just dig your way out of this. This time around, they tried something very different. They said, look, instead of letting people suffer, let's just get the money printing machines going and let's give people free money and that way we'll keep the economy running. Now, it'll be interesting to see what the outcome is. I don't know, but I've got to tell you, it's the first time in history where we saw an economy contracting, but stock markets going up, real estate prices going up. Now, shortages of goods. Shortages of goods. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. To be perfectly honest with you, I actually think I'm I'm warming up this idea of modern monetary theory because I look at the government in some ways like a parent, right? And so if as a parent your child, you know, lost their job, most of us wouldn't say, if we had the resources, we wouldn't say, you're on your own, dig your way out of it, you're gonna lose your house, you're gonna lose your job, and eventually you'll get back on your feet. We would say, look, you're in a bind right now, let me help you out. And I'm gonna keep paying your mortgage payments and I'm gonna keep giving you money so you could eat. And then when you get your job, then you're on your own again. And that's what the government did this time. And I'll say to my friends who are, um, you know, anti-liberal government, you know, Justin Trudeau gave out free money, I always say, you guys are the benefactors of that. Your real estate went up in value. Your stock market. You're on the golf course with right, your, exactly. your serve money or whatever. Exactly. So, <laughs> so don't knock it because it's not too bad. So when, when I look at the, the world, I don't know what's going to happen. What happens when we've now weaned people off of this free money? Are we going to be okay after that? that? This modern monetary theory hasn't rolled that part out. So I don't know. But I got to tell you, everything seems very, very richly valued. Every asset. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm involved in artificial intelligence because going back to the algorithm decision or d- discussion on what the drawbacks of algorithms are is that they, you're in an echo chamber. There's also benefits to uh, AI. We use AI every single day, whether it's, you know, we use Google Maps when we're driving and it tells us get off the highway because there's traffic here or it's face recognition or self-driving cars or predictive language when you're typing something on your phone. That's all AI. And we're using AI in the context of investing. And, you know, machines, robots, computers, they're not smarter than people, but they're faster than people. So if we can train them to make good investing ideas, which we're doing now, um, you're going to be able to deliver better returns uh, than people could in the past. And that's what we're doing. We're delivering uh, exceptional returns. 
Yeah, you, you and, and is this an evolution of the industry then? Do you, yes. Do you the, see it just right across the board? Yeah, no, the industry is actually quite resistant to artificial intelligence. And the reason for that is because our industry has been built on human intervention, analysts that study financial statements, analysts that meet with management teams to decide what stock to buy. So because there's so many people that are going to lose jobs with AI, they're resistant to it. So the majority of our industry still uses what's called fundamental analysis. They're studying financial statements, income statements, balance sheets. They're, they're doing all that sort of traditional study. And my view is that's archaic. I mean, it sounds the, funny to say that that's archaic. Like I'm kind of agreeing with you because mm -hmm. of the state of the world, but yeah, it's all those fundamental stuff. Well, and we're just saying, ah, oh, that's that too fundamental stuff. When, when a company puts out their financial statements, it's already old before they even publish it. And here you are studying last quarter's financial statements to divine where a company is going next quarter. Algorithms can figure this out much faster, much faster than we can. And so, you know, I just, I've always looked at AI since uh, I sold my first investment firm back in 2014. And, and since then I've been looking for, let's call it the holy grail of investing. I think we found it, um, but it is unlocked in this puzzle that I think the investment universe has been trying to solve. And, and um, I think AI is going to solve it. What's interesting about you is that you have a background in the finance industry. You sold you're getting, you know, you're back into it in AI and you are interested in this modern monetary theory. You're like a puzzle to me, Fernando, mm. because you're, you're kind of in the finance world. So I would assume you would be more conservative, but I guess there's a ton of people in finance who are sure, more, I, I guess that. just maybe we don't know them, but it's interesting to me because most people I run into don't have your views. Mm. And I love the fact that you will kind of sit here and share your views with mm. us. So but all the, fi the, the finance headquarters are all in New York and, and then that's a, yeah, that's no. a democratic state uh, no, city. I, 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 yeah, but I just feel I, some I of them kind I of like virtue signal out that yeah. maybe they're kind of like, you know. Uh, what, on the, on the, uh, the MMT side of stuff, do you feel like, what kind of impact do you think it's having on the other people that don't own assets? Because you're right, like anyone that's owned you know, stocks are up, real estate's up, like, like everything's up. But if you're the person that didn't own any of that stuff, even if you got free money, you're, you lost, didn't you lose out? Like based, based well, on that? Maybe you've lost pace. I don't think you've lost out. Okay. Maybe you've lost pace with, let's say, the wealthier sort of 1%. And I don't dispute that. Clearly, the divide between the haves and the have-nots gets it's wider right, and wider. Yeah. This has not been you know, created out of modern monetary theory. This has been a trend for the last, you know, two decades, three decades, um, you know, and that that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, but I think that even those that may not own assets, they were still better off than getting laid off and just collecting unemployment insurance or whatever they needed. At least this way, yes, it was very generous. CERB payments were very generous. But even those with no assets, I think, given the choice, do you think they would rather have had no backstop from the government and just fend for yourselves. People working in service industries like restaurants and, you know, they'd be out of a job. Yeah, especially, so, especially under the, 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 the pandemic circumstances are even... That's they're, fair. Because they're our anomaly perspective too. is like, oh my gosh, don't you see what this is doing? It's inflating asset prices even further. But if you're somebody who could really use those dollars yeah, at that mm -hmm. time, you highly value getting those dollars. Well, especially when they were shutting, like businesses were all being closed. Like yeah. it's, 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 you know, and, there's, there's recession yeah. and then there's like, hey, everyone, close all your businesses for a little while. And that, make that's, no mistake, the Robin Hoods of the world, the wealth symbols of the world, 
this these free payments serb and stimulus without the corresponding expenses of traveling to work food every day like at restaurants allowed these mm-hmm. small investors to invest or small, sorry small uh, non-asset owning people to invest in you know you saw the GameStop issues and the AMC yeah. and the Robinhood apps that became huge because these small non-asset owning uh, individuals now became asset owning individuals because they use those SERP payments to invest. Now I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but you see crypto. There's a, the, you know you're a big crypto fan, and so am I. Uh, a lot of the reason why crypto has been booming yeah. is because of free money with young people sitting at home and saying, "Well, what else am I going to do with this money? I can't go to a movie, I can't go on vacation, so I'll invest in cryptocurrencies." I've been sent. I can't tell you how many TikTok videos I've been sent from people about like the you know here's the latest stock master that you should follow this guy on TikTok, telling right. you yeah, on TikTok. Yeah. and I'm like so that's how people are following they're yeah. getting their stock advice right. the game has changed since for your point about for, the professionals that's my point right yeah, yeah. yeah. Fernando's industry has changed now yeah. Yeah. we yeah. better see you some hey yeah, listen you have the hair to do yeah. TikTok oh, videos yeah. Yeah. You, we better see some TikTok yeah. videos of you I'll believe you about when AI. you're on TikTok yeah don't talk to us about this stuff unless you're on you TikTok. Know, we have to see it on social media yes, to yes. believe it for you now. Know, to, my, <laughs> to my point earlier, I watched some YouTube videos where crypto enthusiasts are projecting values for these cryptocurrencies. I'm like, you realize what you're projecting for this small coin is bigger than every economy around the world. Every GDP that you added up, you're saying that's what Ripple is going to be worth in, in you know next year. Yeah. I'm like... You realize the biggest need, companies in the world, like Apple and Microsoft, are worth $2 trillion. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I was just telling Fernando, we need to have Greg Foss and Fernando mm-hmm. here together. That yeah, would but, be... But, but, that, but for, to be we, fair, we Fernando's not necessarily talking about Bitcoin. He's talking about all sorts no, of no, all I these agree. other random yeah, things. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? I so. Fernando, always, uh, always a pleasure. Yes. Next time you come on, we're going to dive into the AI and algorithm and yes. more specifically of what you're doing. But in the meantime, how do people find you? What are yes. you up to right now? Yeah. Share URL, yeah. whatever contact Yeah, our URL is 8 AIT dot inc um so it's kind of an unconventional uh, url but uh, ait dot inc is uh, um, our firm that is working on artificial intelligence uh, for investment purposes cool and yeah. it, there's a contact form on there every yeah. time you come on people want to reach out to yeah, you so is that where i guide them to yep. ait inc and they can send me an email or yeah. uh, yeah, they can even call my cell phone. I think it's on there. I'm not sure, but I'm oh, happy geez. to talk to anybody. Oh, that'll be a problem. Yeah, that'll be. Fernando, really, all uh, you know, respect the way you share information and that, you. how you're open for a debate and you listen. I think you're probably a better listener than Nick and I are. So, no, you thank you, are. thank you for then uh, Tom, then Tom, I listen. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for all this, Fernando. It's we my really, pleasure. we really enjoy these Always conversations. Fun. Thank you. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Fernando. Like we, like we said during the intro. Just really enjoy sitting down with Fernando and chatting about all these different subjects. We'll definitely be bringing back, uh, bringing back. We will definitely be bringing him back again. That's what I want to say. And if you are listening to this and you want some real estate information, you can check out everything we've been able to put together. We pretty much have it all up on rockstarinnercircle.com. So videos, reports, um, archives of different uh, podcasts that we have, digital, um, uh, sorry, articles that we have. I'm just trying to think of everything that's on that website. There's a ton of stuff, including access to our weekly email. If you're not on our weekly email list, you can jump onto the weekly email where we share information every week. It usually goes out on Thursday. There's tens of thousands of Canadians on that list. You can get access to that as well at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.